How many of you have ever heard of the Be Real app that you can get for your phone? A few of you? All right, if you've never heard of it before, that's okay. If I wasn't helping out in student ministry and talking to teenagers, I would not be up on this stuff either. But if you are familiar with this app, uh, maybe you know just how popular it is that there are more than 73 million downloads worldwide. And the way this works is if you have this downloaded on your phone, you'll get a notification at a random time during the day. And after you get this notification, you have a two-minute window to take a picture with your back camera, take a selfie with your front camera, and send it to your friends. And if you try to retake that picture, it'll tell your friends how many times you tried to retake it. Sounds like a lot of work, right? So, like, why would an app like this be so popular? And I think it's because... We're living at a time where we just get tired of seeing those Photoshopped, filtered, just picture-perfect versions of people's lives on social media that just aren't a reflection of reality. And maybe you feel that pressure too, like now your life has to look a certain way in order to keep up with how other people's lives are. And in a culture that's just so saturated with the Photoshop and the fake, there's this hunger for something that's real and authentic. And maybe you are desiring something that's real and authentic when it comes to the Christian faith. Maybe you can look around in the church and you know that there's people who live one way on a Saturday night and then they come to church like they're a completely different person. And you know that the way that they're presenting themselves is not at all a reflection of how they live their lives throughout the rest of the week. And maybe if you're totally honest, you could look into yourself and admit that oftentimes when you're around Christians or you're in church, you kind of act like you're closer to God than you really are. And maybe you're just tired of putting on that act. And you want to know what it really means to have a real authentic faith in God and what that looks like. And so we are going to spend the next five weeks in a book of the Bible called James. And I think the overall theme of this book of the Bible is about having a real faith. And whether you've been a Christian for a long time now or you're kind of new to Christianity, I think there's some really good things that we can get out of this book of the Bible. So you could probably guess who wrote this book. It's a guy named James. But the fun fact is that the James who wrote this book of the Bible is believed to be the very brother of Jesus. There's only one other guy who's recorded in biblical history with the name of James, and he was one of the disciples of Jesus. But in the book of Acts, it says that he was killed for his faith in Jesus probably before the time that this book of the Bible was written, which makes us believe that this was written by none other than Jesus' brother. And can you imagine growing up in the same household as Jesus? Just what that would have been like. And then for all Probably all his life, James would have been told that his brother, Jesus, was really the son of God who came into this world to save people from their sins. But the crazy part is that the Bible says that the brothers of Jesus did not believe that Jesus was really the chosen one. And so really, James was not a Christian for most of his adult life. And we don't know exactly when this turning point happened for James. But the Apostle Paul writes that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he showed himself to the disciples and then to 500 witnesses. And it says very specifically that he showed himself to James. 
And I don't know for sure, but I imagine that this was the turning point for James, where he finally believed that Jesus was really the Son of God who came into this world to save people from their sins. And so James knows what it's like to doubt God. And James also knows what it's like to turn that doubt upside down and live out an authentic faith in Jesus. And as we get into the book of James, we're going to center the conversation this morning around trials and going through hard times in life. And my hope is that what we talk about this morning will just be some real down-to-earth stuff that you can take and apply to whatever it is that you're going through. And I kind of want to slow down and give you the chance to think about some of the trials and hard times that you've been through in your past. And maybe you still feel some of the wounding from going through that or whatever it is that you're currently going through. Maybe it is your health that's failing you, battling cancer or something like that. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one or you wake up every morning with just emotional struggles. Could be that you have tensions in your relationships or you're going through a messy divorce. All these things that are so hard. And I think that when we're going through hard times like this, the big question that is often on our minds is why? Why, God, would you let us go through something like this? And you might feel a whole range of emotions from hopelessness and despair to anger, anger at your circumstances, maybe even anger towards God. After all, if God is all-powerful and everything is within God's control, he could have kept you from going through such a hard time, but he didn't. And why would God let you go through that? And if you are praying about the situation, maybe your prayer is that God would just intervene and rescue you from your hard times, give you relief from your circumstances, make the trial that you're going through easier. And that might leave us wondering, how should we go through trials in our lives? What is the response that God wants from us? And so we're going to be answering that question from James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. We'll have it up here on the screen. You can also read it in your Bibles. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. I got a little ahead of myself there, but we'll stop. James says, joy. Count it joy when you go through trials of many kinds. That's kind of a crazy idea. It even sounds a little bit insensitive. Joy? What if joy is the opposite of how you're feeling? What, does that mean that you have to just put on a face like everything's okay and that you're happy even when your life is falling apart and you're just feeling nothing but hurt and pain? And I'm not going to lie to you. Like if this was not in the Bible, I would say let's throw this advice out the window. Who wants to take time with that? Like the, just this last week, I came home from work and Gabby was like, brace yourself, I have some bad news. Don't freak out, which usually means like, oh, man, that, that's some bad news. 
So here's what happened. Over the summer, Gabby paid off her credit card from her bank in Virginia and decided to just kind of close that account down. Not really close it down, but freeze the card, put it out of sight, out of mind. And we thought that we paid it off, but what we didn't realize is that we missed paying off 50 cents. Not dollars, cents. And since that card was out of sight and out of mind, we didn't realize that it was racking up late fees and interest up until last week. And so that 50 cents turned into $400 in late fees and interest. That was $400 I was not planning in our budget. And so if I'm going to apply this to my life, does this mean I have to be like, woo, I just lost $400. I love losing money. <laughs> and maybe you think about whatever it is that you're going through and you're like, this is awful. How can I have joy in this? Do I have to fake it like this is some kind of good experience? But So before we just take this advice from James and throw it out the window, let's take a deeper look into what James is saying here and the reason that we can have joy. And I want to just unpack three key terms in this passage. That is trials, perseverance, Mature and complete. Mature and complete, that kind of goes together. And when James begins this, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He's not saying whenever you face certain kinds of trials, whenever you go through the little challenges, then you can consider it joy. He says all kinds of trials. And at the time that James wrote this letter, a lot of the Christians were facing persecution and they had to flee from Jerusalem, find new places to live because of their faith. And so as they're reading this letter from James, persecution probably would be the number one trial that's on their minds. But this passage isn't just about persecution. That's not the only kind of trial that he's talking about here. And this could include the loss of a loved one and, and probably whatever it is that you're going through. And James isn't trying to be insensitive here and just make light of trials and hardships. He's not taking bad things and calling them good. God doesn't call persecution good. God doesn't call death good. And as Christians, going through the trials, the, the joy that you can experience isn't because of the trial itself, but the potential result of the trial. So your joy is not in the trial itself, but in the potential result of that trial. And the potential result of going through hard times in life is maturity in our faith and completeness and being that man or woman of God that he has called us to be. Or in other words, that's becoming more like Jesus in our thoughts, attitudes, and behaviors. And becoming more like Jesus is worthy of our joy. That should be the aim of every Christian. But just because we go through hard times, just because we go through trials, it doesn't guarantee that we're going to come out on the other side of that stronger in our faith, closer in our walk with God, or more like Jesus. And you could probably think of instances, whether it's in your lives or the lives of other people that you know, where you've gone through hard times, and it didn't make your faith stronger probably made your faith worse, where there's that 
That idea of separation between you and God. Like if God really loved me, then why would he do this? And maybe feeling bitterness towards God and coming out the other side of that trial, not any closer to God. And so trials don't equal maturity in our faith. And that's where perseverance comes in. Trials are the context for practicing perseverance. And it's through perseverance coming to completion that we can be mature in our faith and more like Jesus. It's kind of like the training that you do in order to cross the finish line of a marathon. It's that practice you put in and that discipline and the action in order to come out the other side victorious and stronger than you were before. And um, I like to think of this also as kind of like on-the-job training, this perseverance. I think about when I went to seminary, I was learning about how to be a good pastor and do things that pastors do. And it really wasn't until I was able to serve full-time here at Bridgewater where I learned what classes I paid attention in and what classes I didn't really pay attention in. And it gave me that opportunity to put my knowledge into action. So it wasn't just knowledge. It became experience and it became practice. And maybe you know what that's like in a, a job that you started where theoretically you knew how to work that job, but after doing it for a while, you became proficient in it. And I think as Christians, sometimes we can come to church and read from the Bible, and we know what the Bible says and how God wants us to live, where God says, don't worry about things. Pray when you're anxious. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Put your hope in God. Follow in his ways even when the going gets tough. But sometimes that just stays as knowledge up here until we go through the hard times And those hard times give us that opportunity to put those things into practice where our faith is tested. And through the perseverance of our faith, we can become more like Jesus and more mature in our faith. Now, going back to uh, my situation where I lost $400, I don't always get an A-plus in how I respond to things, but... This time, I was able to to not freak out and just remind myself, all right, God will provide for me. It's not worth it to make a big deal out of this. Money, of all things, is pretty replaceable. And as I was working on this message, it hit me that this wasn't the first financial challenge that just popped up out of nowhere. I've gone through this kind of stuff before. And as I've gone through this kind of stuff in my past, I learned to trust God and to learn to know that he will provide for my needs so that when this hit me, I was like, oh, I can just trust God. I can know that he will provide for my needs. And I think that sometimes the hard things that we go through now might be setting us up for going through hard times down the road and learning to trust God and learning to seek God even when it feels like everything else is falling apart And I know that if losing $400 is the worst thing that ever happens to me, not that bad off. And that's that's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But I don't want to be insensitive with my illustration here because I know that some of the things that you all are going through is some really hard stuff. You wish that you could just pay $400 and be done with it. Whether that's 
a relational tension, whether that's going through cancer or some other kind of um, failing health. And that is some hard stuff. And you might be looking at your circumstances and wondering, how can God work in this? What is God up to here? I don't know how God could turn something like this and actually grow me through it. I don't even know how to take one more step to make it through this kind of stuff. And if you're in that boat, I think that the next few verses here in James are so helpful. Starting in verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. And so whatever it is that you're going through, you might feel like you don't know what God is doing. You might feel like you don't have the answers to even make it through. But even if you don't have the answers, God has the answers. And God has not abandoned you in your hard times. And he, he wants to help you. He wants to offer you his wisdom. I love the part of this verse that says that God is generous. And he gives without finding fault. I think about all the times where I'm sitting in a meeting or having a conversation with somebody and I just zone out. And I miss what they say for a while and then realize that I am lost in the conversation. And I feel like I need to ask, hey, could you repeat yourself or could you fill me in? But I don't want to do that. I don't want them to know that I wasn't paying attention and I don't have the right answers. And that kind of holds me back from asking but we don't have to fear that with God. And if we ask God for wisdom, he's not going to be like, that was a stupid question, or you should know the answer to that. He doesn't just think about giving us wisdom. He doesn't put any like, steps in front of us of do these things, then I'll give you my wisdom, except that we ask him in faith. We ask him without doubt. And he gives this promise that he will give us this wisdom and that is so huge for whatever it is that we're going through. We are not alone. We don't have to rely on our own understanding because God is with us and he has the answers. And I think we need to protect ourselves from this idea that God is up in heaven just dishing out the hard times in our lives to punish us for our sin or because God is insensitive and he doesn't know how hard it is to go through those kinds of things. Because if anyone knows what it's like to go through pain and suffering, it's Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 9, it says, But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while now, crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, and bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. What that's basically saying is that Jesus' role here on earth was not perfect or complete until he suffered and died. Whatever it is that you are going through, 
Jesus knows what it's like to feel that pain. He suffered and died so that he could be an example for us and so that he could sympathize with us in our weaknesses. And, and God will not punish you for your sin if you are a Christian because he's already put the punishment for sin on Jesus. And so if, when you're going through hard times and you're asking yourself, why is God doing this to me? He's not doing it to punish you, but he might be doing it to teach you something, to give you this opportunity to practice your faith, to grow in perseverance and become more like Jesus on the other side. And the overall message of the gospel, I think, is come to Jesus as you are. You don't have to clean up your life first. Come to him with your sin. Come to him with your brokenness. But God loves you too much to want you to stay in your sin and to stay in your brokenness. And it could be that God is using the trials and the hard times in your life to bring you through to the other side and to experience healing like you wouldn't experience otherwise. To become more like Jesus in ways that you wouldn't otherwise without going through something like that. And the biggest challenge that I want to leave all of us with this morning is to not waste the trials in your life. We all know that we can go through hard times and we can grow closer to God and more like Jesus on the other side. We also know that we go through, tri through trials and it can push us away from God. We can let the trials cause distance in our relationship with God. It might affect our view of God, our understanding of his goodness. And we can go through all of that and just grow bitter or weary and that's what I would call a wasted trial like if we are going to go through pain and suffering and hard times let's not go through pain and suffering and hard times for nothing at least let the result be that you become more mature in your faith and become more like the man or woman of God that he has called you to be and as I give like a little recap of what we've talked about this morning I just want to leave us with three reality checks to help us not waste the trials in our lives. The first one is my values shape my evaluation. What that goes back to is this idea of having joys in the, in the trials in our lives. That's such a crazy idea, but the only way that we can have joy when we go through hard times is when we know that the potential result of our trial it's becoming more like Jesus, becoming more mature in our faith. And if we can keep that framework when we go through hard times, that can make all the difference in how we respond. Which leads us to the second one is my difficulties are the pathway to my development. It could be that the hard times that you go through are something that God has placed in your life to make you stronger in your faith or to make you more like Jesus. And I stand before you today as a mostly developed adult. And that's because of what my parents did for me when I was younger. They taught me things. They gave me an education. They even potty trained me. And that was a lot of work. And it, it wasn't fun for both of us. They'd have to do things like wake me up in the middle of the night and take me down to use the bathroom so I didn't wet my bed. And in those moments as a kid, I'd be like, why are you taking my sleep away from me? Why are you making this so hard? But as a grown adult, being on the other side of this, 
I am so thankful for what my parents put me through because of the development that I have now. And it could be that our Heavenly Father has our development in mind when he puts us through hard times. He's not doing it to punish us. He's not doing it to make us feel guilty. But there is a greater purpose in it. And the last point here is my response reveals the quality of my faith. And I know there's a lot of people here this morning who have a much stronger faith in God than even I have. And I've seen that to be true because of the hard things that they have gone through and watch them grow in their faith in God and come out the other side of that even stronger than they were before. They've gone through things that I haven't even gone through in my life, things that I hope to never have to go through. But what that shows is that they are not just a fair-weather Christian. They don't just follow Jesus when it's easy. They don't just follow Jesus when the path is smooth. But they are willing to persevere and to grow in their faith even in the hard times. And that's my hope for all of us here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of redemption, that you've redeemed our lives uh, for those of us who know you. That at one point, we were broken and lost, trapped in our sin, even your enemies. But you made a way for us to know you and have a relationship with you and become your children through what Jesus did on the cross. And so we know you redeem our lives. We also know that you can redeem our circumstances, even something that's awful and painful. Even if we can't really see it, we know that is not outside of your control. We know that even in the midst of the pain and the suffering, that you are good and that you have a purpose. And so, please, God, uh, help us to grow in perseverance. I don't know where everybody's at here in this room in their walk with you. I don't know the circumstances that they're dealing with. But I ask that you would give them that perseverance to seek you and to run to you and draw closer to you. And I ask that in the end, we would be more like you than we were before. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for your work in us. And thank you for not giving up on us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.